It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In today's show, we're looking at the Toronto Raptors 2021-2022 regular season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Thank you for, ma- for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Raptors time. I don't know what's happened in the playoffs. They're 1-0 down to the Sixers, and they're heading into Game 2 with Barnes, Trent, and Thad Young unlikely to play. That's not a great sign. So we're going to focus, as we do in all of these shows, on the regular season of the Toronto Raptors. What have they got coming up in the draft? Well, not much. They don't have their first-round pick. That went to San Antonio in the Thad Young deal. wouldn't say they necessarily used Thad Young a huge amount especially in the regular season. And it wasn't, it was a weird pick considering that they had three other centers on their bench that they use in the rotation, but oh well. They get the Pistons second rounder. That's pick 33. That's a quality second round pick, but that's where they sit with that. For the year, they were the 48th, 5th in the East, 30, 48 and 34, the 14th best defense, 14th, sorry, 14th best offense, 10th best defense. Expected win loss was 47 and 35. So sort of bang on where they finished up the season. In terms of the off-season, Thad Young is unrestricted. He's a $14 million player. They have his bird rights. I wouldn't think they'd be... Eh, they probably would bring him back, but there's him and Boucher, who are both unrestricted free agents. I wouldn't expect both of those guys to come back. You don't need them when you've got Achua and Birch and Siakam, all these guys playing center already. Yudawadanabe is restricted. He had some moments early this season, but... I'm not really sure that he's someone you want to invest in long-term. Svi Mihailuk has a $1.9 million player option. I would expect he takes that. I don't really... Oh, yeah, no, I would expect he takes that. No one's going to be falling over themselves to get him. Isaac Bong is unrestricted. Delano Banton's non-guaranteed. And Armani Brooks is non-guaranteed. They just signed Brooks. He was solid enough. But that back end of their roster, Bonga, Banton, Mihailuk, Brooks, Watanabe, it's pretty rough. Like It's rough. They've got a 
solid starting five, an unconventional starting five. But the back five or six guys, it's pretty rough. We've got Justin Champagne and David Johnson as the two-way guys. Champagne showed a few things. Johnson showed nothing at all. That was a weird pick. I didn't like the Champagne pick, but it worked out okay. But that's how their, their off-season currently lines up in terms of you know, who's available, who isn't available. Trades, of course, can happen, but they really do need to get some ball handlers and some guards onto this team versus that's just having everyone as a center that comes off the bench in the rotation. Let's look at them fantasy-wise. Number one player on this team was Fred Van Vliet, the 21st ranked player in category leagues. In points leagues, it was Siakam, who, amazingly, was 16th. Van Vliet was 30th in points leagues, averaging 40 fantasy points. Van Vliet, 28 years of age, he played 38 minutes. Now, we love the fact that when these guys play, from a fantasy point of view, they play a ton of minutes. It's pretty poor, I think, from a... I like Nick Nurse as a coach. He's a really good coach. I think it's really poor from a coaching perspective to play these guys this many minutes when they they get hurt so often. Van Vliet's knees are cooked. Barnes is now hurt in the playoffs. Different story, of course. Trent's toe was wrecked. Um, Ananobi missed 40 games, basically. It's not very good. Will Nurse change? I feel like he wasn't this level a few years ago, but it, it needs to change, really. 38 minutes for Van Vliet, 20 points almost seven assists, 1.7 steals, 40 and 87. And as the season went on, the wear and tear in his body meant that that field goal percentage just plummeted. And you felt that. He was like consistently 35, 36% shooting towards the end of the season. And that really hurt. And it's a consistent theme. It happened the year before as well. So that is a bit of a worry, as well as the missed games and his knees. Is he a solid second round player next year? Hmm. I don't know. I don't think so. I need to say how it all shakes out. But the worry with the minutes, with the games, with the knees, with the age, probably pushes him to start of the third round, would be my guess. He was the leading contributor on this team in Raptor. Yes, this will get confusing when I'm talking about the stat Raptor versus the team Raptors. 5.2. Actually, the number one player was David Johnson, who played two minutes for the season. So that skews that, obviously. But Van Vliet was a 5.2 positive. He led in EPM at 3.5, one of the most impactful players in the NBA. His shooting numbers, though, are rough. Effective field goal, 40th percentile. That's 51%. Finished at 50% at the rim. Doesn't really draw many free throws. That's bad. He needs to be much better at the rim. Rebounds are low. He's a good assist guy, good steals guy, solid block guy. He's been better at blocks in the past. He's, he's good. I don't know that it maintains at this level for very long, though. That's my worry. Um, LeBron, he was right up there as well. He's a really just a really good and impactful player. Darko likes him. He improved quite a lot there over the last two, three years. Maybe he does this another one or two seasons, I guess. Plus 4.2 on-off. Four of the five starters were positive on-offs. Only one of them wasn't. Guess who it is. We'll get to it later. Um, yeah, plus 4.2. He's really, he's really good. Longevity, I'm not sure is going to be there with his size, with his knees, with his age already. But... Some really good numbers. Same for Pascal Siakam. Do you want to talk Pascal just yet? No, let's wait. Let's talk Price Picks because day, Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA. Price Picks is here for you. But it's not your typical daily fantasy. It's really easy. It is, you pick projections on over-unders. Or you actually pick over-unders on projections. There's a points number and a rebound number and assist number, a steal number. You just look at it and go over, under. That's it. And you do that for two to five players, put them together in one entry 
and you, you can win up to 10 times back. Entries are easy. You can do it in under 60 seconds and payouts are fast and safe. It's not just basketball though. You can actually combine multiple sports into one entry, whether that's hockey or baseball. Chuck them all into the same, the same entry. They've got MMA, soccer, college sports, the NFL, and that starts back up, of course. And for a limited time, PricePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for everyone. 50 bucks for free if you use the code NBA. And that's if a player in your first PricePix lineup scores a single point. But you've got to use that code NBA. That's right. It's an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today. And use the code NBA. 50 bucks for free if a player in your first PricePix entry scores a single point. PricePix is daily fantasy made easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Let's talk Siakam, who was impressive. One of my fantasy rules in general is don't draft players who are injured to start the year and are going to miss time with a significant injury, if it's a lower body or core injury. Siakam's was a shoulder injury. We had a set time as when he was coming back, and he was being discounted way too far in drafts in my mind. His ADP was at 69. That's cool. Giggity. I loved getting him. I could have got him at 90 in some drafts. People really panicked about those first three weeks. I didn't expect him to be this good, though. 31st-ranked player. He played 68 games, more than Van Vliet. 23 points, nine, almost nine rebounds, over five assists, 1.3 steals, 49 and 75. He just turned into an absolute machine, really. Shot 34% from three, top 20 in points leagues, almost top 15, averaging 44 fantasy points. He was just astonishingly good. Second on this team in Raptor, miles behind Van Vliet, interestingly. But right at the top there in EPM as well. Really strong numbers. League average efficiency. Finished at the rim well, got to the rim well. Hit his mid-ranges really well, which is regression-ish maybe. But he's just very impressive all season. His LeBron number was really high. His Darko is the highest on the team. He's taken some really big steps forward. He was a plus 6.6 on court. He was their best player this season. Where do we look at him moving forward? He's 28. Two more years of this, probably, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be a third-round player next year, rightfully so. Second in points leagues, rightfully so. There's nothing that he's did this year, 23, 8.5, and 5, that seems like it's impossible for him to do again. I think this is what we look at for the next two to three years. He can have some issues sometimes with efficiency, with three-point shooting, but he doesn't take many of those. Free throws can be a worry at times. His defensive stats used to be really good. They have dropped off with more of a focus on offense. What was his usage this year? 26 led the team there. He just And as the season went on and on and on, he just looked better and better. And I think it's going to carry over to next season. Hopefully, there's no injury. Let's go to the next guy. But what about Scarf? OG. Stop, logs. OG. Uh, you better stop, OG. OG Ananobi was the 65th ranked player this year on a per-game basis in category leagues. He's still not 25. Played 36 minutes in his 48 games, 17, 5, and 2.5, and but he hit 2.5 threes a game, 1.5 steals with half a block, 44 and 75. Nothing there looks, doesn't look great. Like, 65 is a good ranking, but what's the number that's really standing out? What's the good, it's the big steals. He can do more in blocks, and it's the good threes. 
So it's a little bit misleading where he's ranked, I think. Is he? St I thought he'd do a little bit better this year, to be honest. He played a lot of minutes. I thought we'd get a little bit more usage, like 19%, or well, sorry, 19 points per game. Um, usage was at 20. I thought we'd be at 22, 23. So a little bit, little bit disappointing in that area. But he's still a really good player. And he will remain a really good player. He's wrapped a number defensively. It dropped way off, which is interesting. He's been really good in the past. But the other advanced stats are a lot higher on him, especially defensively. So I might chuck that one out. Again, if I've, everything else sort of disagrees, then I tend to go with the with the consensus idea there. He did... The injury he had towards the end of the year, he had the hip injury earlier, another injury at the end of the year. It did seem to knock him around a bit, and he did regress somewhat. And I do fear that maybe he scales back and Barnes scales up in the coming years. Is there a top 50 season in Ananobi's future? Hmm. I'd say probably not. I, I would say probably not. Yes, I think he can still be really useful. But this was the opportunity to stake himself with a good usage and be efficient and provide good defensive stats. And it didn't really come off. I'm not sure he's going to have this same level of opportunity moving forward. He is still not even 25. He'll be 25 by next time next season starts. So he's still got plenty of room to hit his peak. I'm just not sure that what we saw towards the end of the 21 season, where he the ball was in his hands and he started to really fire up, is that something they want to invest in long-term? It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. So I'm a little skeptical as to where this goes with him. I think he's still going to be good four or five more years. As a top 100 guy, maybe not pushing top 50 though. That would be my worry. Let's talk Scotland Barnes. Finalist for Rookie of the Year. Played 35 minutes a night as a rookie, under 21 years of age. It's, it's great. I thought he would start to begin the year with Siakam out and then they'd move him to the bench. But they didn't. They just went... We're not playing any centers, and Barnes is going to play every night, big minutes. A lot of his better numbers came when one or two starters were out. And we saw he tended to get a little bit lost at times when um, others were there. Barnes, look, don't get me wrong. Like he was, he was great this year, for sure. The 67th ranked player. 15, 7, 3.5, 1.1 steals, 0.7 blocks, 49 and 74. I had real concerns with his ability to shoot coming out of college because he was a bad, bad shooter. But he improved. He still just hit 30% of his shots though. 30% of his threes, sorry, more to the point. His advanced numbers were, his EPM actually, zeros. Right across the board, zeros. That's fine. That's above average, but he was zeros. True shooting and E-field goal percentage, below average. He got by on hitting well above average on mid-ranges, which I'm not sure if that sticks. His assist rate was strong, but it wasn't elite. His steal and block numbers were strong, but not elite. He was very good. Helped again by more, a lot of minutes. I do think... Oh, I know people are going to think I'm a Scotty Barnes hater. I'm not. I really like the bloke. He seems super fun. He's a great player. It's great to see a rookie come in and be this impactful because he was generally impactful. And in a lot of years, he'd just be the clear rookie of the year. But I just think there might be a little bit of overrating going on with him in terms of... I think he's going to be a really good player for 10 plus years. Really, really good. I don't know if he's got a huge offensive gear to take. Like, will he ever become a 25 usage guy? I, I doubt that. It's hugely possible, especially with the Raptors and their development. It's massively possible. I'm not sure that he can, if he gets there, he's at 19 usage this year. His advanced numbers are all pretty strong for a rookie. 
pretty strong. Like that's yeah, what I need to say. They're not they're not elite. They're not elite for his team. They're pretty strong. I think with so much hype around him, there is a potential of a sell high dynasty. And that sounds crazy. Because a normal sell high would say what he's currently doing is unsustainable, which is clearly bullshit. Because he will do much better than this. He will clearly outstrip what he's currently doing. Clearly. But in a dynasty league, if someone has ideas of him being a top 15 player and wants to trade you that guy, another top 15 guy back, hmm, I'd do it. I just think there is a, a little bit of overrating with Barnsley. He's still really good. This is not to take anything away. He's really good. He showed ability to play really well. And encouragingly, he did show that ability when others were out to step it up and still be good. Didn't maintain that ability to hold that role when they came back, but stepped up when needed. Plenty can't do that. But there might be, I think there's a little bit like, oh, he's a great passer. He's this excellent defender. He's a very good defender. He's a very good passer. But he's not in that elite category. And I'm not sure he ever does that. And that's fine. That's really hard to get to. Gaz Trent. Um, yeah. Nice, Gary. I was way off on him. I had no interest in him in fantasy leagues because A, I didn't think he'd play 35 minutes a night. I thought that someone would be squeezed a little bit in that rotation. He didn't start opening night. Goran Dragic did. Remember that? Um, I thought he'd get squeezed a little bit. He, in the past, has shown nothing to suggest that he would average 1.8 steals. Nothing to even suggest that he would shoot even remotely well. Like he'd been such a poor shooter in the past. He still only hit 44.5% of his twos, which is pretty poor. But he got by on really strong usage and a lot of minutes and averaged 18 points. A lot of the same points I had with him stuck. Doesn't rebound, doesn't get assists. Can hurt your field goal percentage. All that's true. He just added 1.8 steals, which was one of the best numbers in the entire league, which sort of came out of nowhere. It was by far his number one fantasy category, by far. Is that, is that a real thing? Is that something he can continue to do? Maybe. He was, he was really impressive this season and took me by surprise. He's still only 23, which is interesting. He's got, he's got some good years ahead of him. But what improves? The 41% field goal is the obvious target. But is he a guy that will ever be a better shooter? I think 44 is reasonable. And that might give him 20 points per game. But if the 1.8 steals don't stick, then he's probably not a top 100 player. If that's 1.2, then he's he might be top 100. He might be close on it. But he's never going to be a passer or a rebounder or a shot blocker or someone who really gets huge amounts going to the line. Although he was not too bad there. His advanced stats were all really strong this year, especially defensively, but offensively really good as well. He was a very good player. I didn't see it coming because I didn't... Again, you can't go in there and project someone. Hey, here's a guy who's never done this before. Let's double his steal numbers. You can't do it. To anyone who's a subscriber or listen to this podcast, if I did that for a random player, you lose all credibility. And by having that mentality, which I will stick by that mentality, you will get things wrong. I didn't expect Brandon Ingram two years ago to be a 25 percentage point better free throw shooter. If I just come out and pluck a player out of my ass, hey, by the way, guys, Jakob Pertl is going to shoot 85 from the line next year. I sound crazy. 
you can't do that. But those things do happen. And that's sort of what happened with Gaz here this year. He was really strong. He was really good. By the way, I didn't answer the question I asked before. Who's the only starter with a negative net rating or negative on-off? It was Barnes, negative two. Siakam, 6.6. Van Vliet, 4.2. Trent, plus three. Ananobi, plus three. Don't know how Barnes copped it that hard. Played with some of those bench units a lot, which were shocking. They were, they were bad, those bench units. No doubt about that whatsoever. BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all of your sports odds, betting stats, and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the basketball playoffs, which the Raptors may or may not still be in, and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Did Toronto beat Philadelphia? You tell me in the comments. I don't know. I will know by the time this airs, I'm sure. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action, including the odds on Scotty Barnes' Rookie of the Year. BetOnline is where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. After those five, they had five top 75 fantasy players. Trent was 72. He was 85 in points leagues. It drops off. Remarkably. The next highest ranked player was the wiki, Chris Boucher, who was... In a completely insane turn, whatever people are doing, drafted at pick 77 on average. There is no common sense regarding that whatsoever. No justification, I don't think. Now that we you should never have drafted him there. He was a guy that when multiple starters went out, you added him. But even his per 36 numbers dropped off this year. He only played 21 minutes. He averaged 9 and 6. A block, a 3, 47 and 78. Some really rough shooting numbers after having some strong efficiency numbers in the past. He hit under 30% from three. While I do complain a lot about Boucher in terms of being not necessarily a good on-court player, I thought he improved a lot in that area this season and someone that gets hyped up too much in fantasy. Um, I do believe he's a better, sh much better shooter than that. He's not a 29% three-point guy. So there's plenty of scope for him to improve. His advanced numbers are actually pretty good. And in the past, they haven't always been as excellent as this. He was pretty good. Fourth on his team in EPM and in Raptor. Third in LeBron. Pretty high up there in, or third in Darko as well. I thought his actual on-court play and contributions, despite the reduction in shooting numbers, he was much better as a player this season. But where does he fit with Achua, with Young, with all the other bigs, with Birch? Where does he fit? 29 years of age, out of contract. Is another team prioritizing him? Hmm, I don't know. He is a center, Can't, I don't know, but I don't know if he's strong enough. I don't know if he's quick enough as a power forward. I don't really know where his role lies. 
on nearly any other team. Makes it hard for me to get excited about him long-term. But maybe for two years, if that shooting normalizes, which I think it can, he can go back to being a top 140 guy. But to me, it's really situational. A couple of guys get hurt. Maybe there's trades and they open up the roster a little bit in that front court. And maybe he steps into a larger role. But overall, I think this is probably the ideal role, which is bad for fantasy. Thad Young was pretty poor. I thought at the start of things when he got traded for DeRozan, the Spurs will just start him at the four. He was unbelievably good for the, the Bulls. And Popovich said, nah, nah, he's just not going to play. I'm shocked that it took him that long to trade him. I thought he'd get traded in the offseason. Didn't get traded. And they just didn't play him. And he got to Toronto, and with four centers coming off the bench, he couldn't really find a role. 16 minutes, six points, four rebounds, a steal, two assists. Really got by last year with huge assist numbers out of nowhere. That fell back away. I wouldn't say he was disastrous. He had some good moments. But it just, the role just, it wasn't there. And I thought at the start of the season it would be there in San Antonio when he played 26 minutes. And then writing was on the wall, hey, he's not going to play here. And I just took him off the draft board completely, basically. And then heading to Toronto was probably a worst case scenario for him in terms of getting minutes in a role. And we saw that play out. I don't think he's completely washed. He is probably washed as a top 100 fantasy guy, which he was for the Bulls two years ago. But he can still be a useful player in a 23-minute-a-night bench role. Whether he gets that or not, I don't know. Let's talk about the big sneeze, Precious Achua. The 289th-ranked fantasy player. In points leagues, he was 192nd. Yet, he was hyped up unbelievably. So many times he was told... People were telling me how great it is to have him and he's, yeah, you've got to, just got to watch. It's going to come on. And it just never did. I I did not like him as a draft prospect. I did not like him as a rookie and I did not like him for the majority of this season as a player. But over the second half of the season, I thought he really stepped up and improved a lot. The shooting wasn't as... Okay. It was actually comical to watch him play at the start of the season. It was like, how is anybody missing these shots? What on earth are you doing? That was a lot of the game watching him. I go, you'd see him do something. You go, Fuck, that was amazing. Then you'd watch something and go, how does anyone make that decision to do that? That was what watching him was like. But towards the end, he got more consistent. The shooting became better from deep. The dumb plays started to reduce. He's still not great. He averaged nine and six with 0.6 blocks, which as a center playing 24 minutes, you've got to block more shots. You've got to do more defensively. And you can't come as a center and have a true shooting of what was his number. 50. We can't do that. There's a long way to go. But depending how things play out with Boucher and Young, 27 a night for him next season is absolutely possible. I And looking, inter, inter, very interestingly, on Raptor, plus 2.4 defensively, EPM, plus 2.2, 94th percentile. Very, they liked his defense a lot. I saw some things that made me go, hmm, maybe. Maybe. And, again, just some horrific stuff at the start of the season. Just some of the worst basketball you'll ever see. But he improved as the season went on. And we start to see the shot go in at a little bit better levels. Still had a 50 true shooting and 49 E field goal. But hit 36% of his threes. The fact that he can't finish inside is a real issue as a center. He's probably going to turn into one of those guys, again, depending on Young and Boucher, that... In the last round of your draft, you go, hey, all right, let's try it. If he gets 27 minutes a night, could he block 1.2 shots? Could that improve? Could he hit 1-3 a game? 
I'm going to have to punt free throws with him, definitely. I might have to punt field goals. He might end up being just a rebound streamer because that's really the only area he's good at at this point. But there was enough there to make me not 100% right enough. I don't see him as a future top 100 guy or top 50 player or a starting NBA center for a long term. I don't see that at all with him still. But he went from, how is this bloke in the league, to, okay, you're taking some steps to move forward, which is good. Ken Birch is almost 30. He only played 18 minutes, averaged four and four. Some people drafted this guy as well. There was absolutely no reason for that. You got to really, another one of those lessons where if you saw what he did at the end of the 21 season, he put together a couple of nice games. Still, I think he was only 130th in that stretch when everyone was out and the Raptors were tanking. And people looked at that and went, oh, he'll just be their starting center. He'll take these big steps forward and he'll be the guy. But context is super important, especially in those games where the teams don't care. And Birch is just never that guy. Not not going to be, not ever going to be, never was going to be. He just isn't. And he shouldn't really be playing many minutes. He's got a big body, but that's about it. Armani Brooks started a few games for the Raptors. He can be a shooter. He's not particularly reliable, though. Shot under 30% from three. Um, Again, he's just part of this bench group. Banton, Bonga. Remember, Banton was so high up early in the year and then did nothing because he fell away. Like, these guys are actually pretty bad. The back end of this roster is really bad. Their depth needs a lot of work. Brooks, maybe there's something with him. I don't think so, though. He's 24. Malachi Flynn's also 24. And there was a stretch when Van Vliet was out where Flynn started and he looked great. And then he pinged a hammy and never got back into the rotation. Didn't start off the season in the rotation. Took a while to get there. Played well when he was there. Nurse, I wouldn't say biased against him, but just doesn't like him the way that we do. He was another guy that honestly... At the end of the season last year, people were like, yeah, we might end up drafting Van, uh, Malachi Flynn, I think. He's at a piece, somehow 142. It was never going to happen. The shooting wasn't great, 39 and 63. That's really, really rough from Flynn. His advanced numbers are all terrible. His turnover rate was great. That's, that's awesome, but I don't know what else he did that was good. He didn't shoot well at all. Didn't hit his free throws at all. He just was sort of lost. I think he's still a good backup uh, power, uh, power point guard. I think he's still good, a good backup point guard in the NBA. But where it fits on this team with how strange their rotations are, I don't know. I'm not giving up on him. This is a really disappointing season. Watanabe? No, I don't really see much there. Delano Banton, I don't really see much either. He's a weird point guard. He's like a 6'9 point guard who's a really, really high-level rebounder. Shooting is a massive concern, and we saw that. 41 and 59 as his percentages. Yeah, seventh percentile true shooting, eighth effect, effective field goal percentage. Like, shocking numbers. Had a couple of decent games, and he's one of those guys that, again, sometimes looks at you, wow, Delano Banton, Messiah does it again. But overall, when you look at the body of work, you don't highlight the horrendous games and the fact that he gets taken out of the rotation. So, he had some good moments, a couple of good flashes, but overall... I'm not, I'm not sure. Could he develop into Terrence Mann, maybe? That's probably his best-case scenario. As a good rebounding, struggling passing, tallish, point guardy sort of player. Maybe. Champagny had that memorable game winner. But not a lot else. Barely played, really. David Johnson never played. Champagny, I thought, was okay. Much better than Johnson. But this is a guy that on the you know, majority of teams in the future, just isn't going to be a rotation piece and probably isn't going to be one in Toronto. And the Isaac Bonga dream is over. Can't can't continue to defend him as a guy that maybe can impact. He shot 
He's cooked. There's no way. And uh, it's done for Isaac Bonga. It's also done for me. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. You know what to do. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.